Welcome back to Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. We're very glad that you continue to support this podcast. You can get the information on any platform uh, where podcasts are played, as well as getting the video content on YouTube. But if you want to just get one place to find all the content, go to my website at drgarrickthesportsdoctor.com and you will find everything on that website. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, so welcome to another uh, episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast, and we have a very special guest for you today, uh, Miss Emily Perrin, who is a, a social worker by trade. However, she does a lot of specialty work with athletes, and that's really what we're going to talk about um, as a mental health therapist and also for mindfulness training. Um, she is the CEO of Perrin Wellness and Performance. Welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you so much. I'm so honored and excited to be here. On this Independence Day, yeah. <laughs> giving up your holiday evening. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And, you know, it's uh, we're in between cookouts and there's right. no fireworks <laughs> yet. So we're, we're all good. Happy to yeah. be here. As long as we're off this before the sun sets, we're yeah. good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right. So tell us about, you know, I like to hear about your story. What brought you into the mental health space? And then also, I know that you're a former athlete yourself. So was it something that you saw along the way or something that you might have dealt with that brought you into this mental health space? Yeah, it's a great question. A little bit of both, to be honest with you. So I actually grew up in a, I'm the daughter of a coach. My dad coached college basketball for the first 10 years of my life and has, he has a PhD in sports psychology. So even as a, you know, from a very young age, I, I always had exposure to this kind of other element of sports. And what I mean by other element is like, you know, very much the relationships piece, the mental side of the game. And so, yeah, I kind of always knew it existed, you know, even back in, you know, the early nineties when, you know, to be fair, mental health and sports psych were still not too big of a thing. Right. I was really, I mean, I, I knew what it was. It was very much a part of my childhood, my upbringing. And then, yeah, I was an athlete. So, you know, I actually swam for the majority of my childhood until I was about 13. And then I switched over to soccer and uh, played collegiately and then got straight into coaching. And honestly, it was really when I became a college coach. So I spent three years coaching at the University of Pennsylvania. And that's really kind of where, you know, I first was like, wow, I was a young coach. I was in, you know, my early 20s. And I was just kind of looking at our athletes, my student athletes. And like, we just, it was very apparent to me that we weren't helping them out. We weren't supplying them with the resources they needed so little of what I was doing as a college coach was actually coaching. It was really talking to these girls, helping them with, you know, their day-to-day -day stuff. And that's really when I was like, wow, I think I, you know, I know I want to be working with athletes, but I actually don't think it's through coaching. I think it's something else. And then twofold. Yeah. I mean, I have, um, and I'm very open and honest about my own journey with mental health. I've dealt with pretty much chronic anxiety and, and panic attacks for the majority of my life. And they were, you know, although I played soccer at a pretty high level, it really impacted me. And so, yeah, I kind of found once I left college coaching, I found mindfulness, mindfulness training, meditation, breathwork, yoga, all of the above. And it was a really 
really big piece of my own healing journey. And that's kind of when I really had that light bulb moment and was like, wow, if I had just had some of this stuff, some of these tools, these practices as, as an athlete, even as a coach to be able to teach my athletes, I think I would have had a a really different experience. And so that's when I knew that's what I wanted to bring back to, to the world, to the community and haven't looked back since. Yeah, well, thank you, number one, for sharing your struggles, because I feel like that's the main way that we connect with other people um, by showing that we're human as well. Um, But I think it's very interesting the way that you said the other part of sports. So, you know, this is something that as we're training athletes and I'm on the orthopedic side and, you know, I'm seeing injuries and dealing with injuries and trying to deal with prevention, injury prevention. But what are we doing for mental health? It's very rare that you actually have, you know, unless you're on a major D1 program, someone of your, you know, perform of your specialty affiliated with a team. You know, I can only heal sprains, bumps, breaks, tears, whatever, but, you know, from concussions, not only concussions, but when you really have a kid struggling with anxiety, Mm -hmm. performance anxiety, or depression, or, you know, being away on the other side of the country or from another part of the world by themselves, who's helping the athlete then? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you're spot on and it's, I kind of, and I I do really think that we are moving in the right direction. You know, we are really, you know, so much of that has been on the brave athletes to really start to speak up and, and share their struggles and their stories. And we also have to realize, right, that there's a lot of structural and larger macro level change that actually has to happen in order to set our organizations, our teams and our athletes up for success when it comes to mental health. Right. And so, yeah, I think we're moving in the right direction. Uh, This work that, you know, I do in particular has definitely, I would say in the last five to six years become much more common. You're finding a lot more people, whether it's, you know, psychologists or therapists sports like people that are in-house in organizations or organizations are contracting with people like me. I think, again, you're finding that this is starting to become more of the norm. So it's all good things, right? And we need to keep the ball rolling. So yeah, you're actually the third guest that was a clinical social worker on my show, a licensed social worker on this show. So definitely starting to see more of it working in the sports space and in the realm to help yeah. these athletes, you know, to give them everything they really need to be successful. And it's not yeah. sometimes just bigger, faster, stronger. It's having a strong mindset. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. So before we get too deep, you know, a lot of these terms that we mentioned, we just kind of throw them out there and people don't really understand them. So will you kind of define wellness, number one, and also kind of the mindfulness piece? Yeah, So let's start with, well, we'll start with wellness. I think that's, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of define it how I see it. Right. So wellness, and, and I'll try to actually kind of define it within the context of being an athlete, since that's kind of what we're talking about for me, wellness is it's really, it's taking a holistic approach, meaning really understanding that as a human, we are incredibly complex, multifaceted creatures, right? And we really cannot, and we don't actually operate in sections. And so what I mean by that, and, you know, I think, and specifically when I talk about health and, you know, you've seen a lot of my recovery stuff, like I don't talk about the mind and the body being different because 
they don't operate separately from each other, right? We know that the mind and the body work on a feedback loop. They're constantly talking to each other. So when I am talking about wellness with my athletes, I'm talking about the entire mind-body system, right? All operations, all systems, right? Working together and helping an athlete really understand that they're working together and then really making choices and acting. So behaviors that really align with setting themselves up to be well as a whole, if that makes sense. And so why mindfulness is kind of the foundation of a lot of the work that I do is because I think mindfulness is a fantastic skill that allows an athlete to really gain awareness and insight into their total wellness journey, right? It's not just about performance. And I really like, I'm actually very, I don't have any traditional sports psychology training and I don't really want it. And the reason for that is because I really think that wellness as a whole starts first, right? If an athlete is not well, both mind and body, all of the systems working together, then they're going to have a really hard time performing at their optimal place, right? So we start with wellness very holistically and mindfulness is a really big piece of that. It allows the athlete to really understand a, what wellness is for me, because what wellness is for me is not going to be what wellness is for you. Right. Um, And so then, right. That mindfulness piece allows them to really live in alignment as they make choices and think and feel, you know, that really set themselves up to be well, if that makes sense. So when do athletes typically come to you? Is it usually an athlete that says, hey, I'm struggling, I need help? Or is it a coach who's typically reaching out to you to say, we need you to intervene with this person or athlete? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. It's been a little bit of all the above, to be honest. So I started my business in, goodness, 2018, 2019. And it was very much, you know, me coming in to, because I do kind of both individual work and teamwork. So it was really at that point, me starting at the team level. And then, you know, whether it be a coach or a parent, even at the high school level saying like, go seek out Emily, go seek out Emily. And I don't, I'm not opposed to that, but I don't love that. And the reason being is because I think so much of this journey and what we're talking about with wellness and mindfulness, it really has to start with the individual, you know, no one can force us to be well, (laughs) you know, that really has to come from, from us. And so, you know, I would say over the last two to three years, it's really shifted. And I find that more often than not athletes themselves or even coaches, you know, my work is not just for athletes, it's for coaches as well. They're starting to really move the needle and say, Hey, I need help or Hey. And I, I'm a huge, like, I think it's a message that we need to start talking about in sport, particularly more is that like, we don't have to be unwell to seek out help, <laughs> you right. know, Don't wait until the, the lights are going off. Yeah, totally. Right. Like you can just be, I mean, you can be, I mean, doing really well, all things are well and still want to learn and grow and gain insight about yourself and gain more tools and skills. And that's really honestly where we can help athletes make a lot of progress. And like, so that when things aren't going well, right? They have the foundation already laid to be able to handle that stuff. So yeah, it's a little back to your initial question. It's a little bit of both a little bit of like athletes starting to really reach out and also a combination of sometimes coach or parent uh, stepping in. And which sports do you work with the most? 
goodness. Right now, lacrosse, I would say. Because you're I, in the Baltimore area? I am, yes. Okay. Um, I always laugh. I'm like, I don't know how I got into lacrosse because I never played <laughs> it. You know, so much of this work, as I'm sure you know, is like, it's who you know, it's who you're connected to. But I have really pretty much worked with almost every sport. Volleyball, baseball, soccer, field hockey, basketball. I mean, really football as well. Yeah, really almost almost every sport. But right now I probably do the most in lacrosse. Great. Yeah, I know that my wife is from the Baltimore area. So I know lacrosse is really big in that region. It's a very regional sport. So yes. it makes sense that that's a lot of the athletes in that area that you're working mm-hmm. with. Yes, it is. It is a uh, Baltimore is a lacrosse hub. That is for sure. Yeah. So it's fun to be around. There's a lot going on here. So I noticed that you incorporate yoga a lot with your recovery as well as the mindfulness. Will you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. I love the question because I think this is such a, you know, we're living in 2023 where, you know, mainstream society can definitely take over and kind of twist the meaning on what yoga is in particular, right? I mean, I think we have a very, you know, from Instagram and highlight videos and TikTok, right? We have this view of yoga being these really flexible standing on your head doing splits, you know, and sometimes they're doing it to like Jay-Z, right? Which there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that, right? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, you know, I have definitely been known to take hundred degree hot vinyasa class where, you know, there's rap blasting, but I think if we whittle it down and we actually just look at what the meaning of the word yoga is, it's just the union of the mind and the body, right? And so Yoga is actually a mindfulness practice. It's a mindfulness movement practice. And so I really use it as a way to actually train your mindfulness muscle in real time. And I think the reason athletes really resonate with it and love it so much is because there's a quick translation to sport, right? Being able to really tap into that present moment mindset, right? While we are being asked to do things with our body is very in line with what we do, like what athletes are doing when they're competing. Now, the piece of this where we actually know a lot of real time learning can take place is if we slow it down. And so a lot of the yoga that I'm doing is, I mean, athletes are barely getting up off the ground. They're moving really slow. They're really playing around with the breath and how breath allows them to connect with their body in a different way. And that this can be actually quite a challenging practice for athletes, right? Because so, so many of us, right. And I mean, let's just look at our society, right? We're so go, 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 right? Like don't slow down, keep going faster is better, more is better. Right. And so to do the opposite of that, like I find is actually very challenging for athletes and it can be an amazing opportunity to really tap into and help them understand in real time, their self-talk their emotions, how they're actually relating to their experience. And so I think it is such a beautiful practice for athletes. And so that is very much how I use it twofold, right? We also know that it can be a great recovery practice, right? Great for mobility, flexibility. Um, I do a lot of restorative yoga, which is, I mean, no movement at all, right? You're actually just fully supported in these really nice postures that allow the whole body to kind of quote unquote turn off, which we know that doesn't happen, but you know, which, you know, for an athlete, like they need rest, they need restoration. And that's a way to allow athletes that time in that space for their mind and their body to kind of regroup. 
I love that you brought up the recovery part because I know that's something that you're really big on. And all athletes, especially at the Division One level or professional level, are trying to get an edge. You know, whatever way they can get a little edge legally, they need it. And we know that rest and recovery are often overlooked, right? So how do you advise your athletes about recovery? Uh, Because as many times they just want to practice, get the reps in, get away from the the field Mm -hmm. or get away from the gym and go be a student and forget about the recovery piece. If you're enjoying this episode, don't wait to the end to share it. Share it now. Share this with a friend or a colleague that you think might find value in this information. And then also make sure that you click and leave us a five-star review and give us feedback because we really value your feedback and your input. Now back to the episode. Yeah, you're right. Like, so spot on. It's like, okay, as soon as we're done, like, okay, let's get out of here. Let's go. So, you know, yes, I think it's your, and I I love your point about the, like, everybody's trying to get an edge. And, you know, a lot of times, right, we think that an edge is something more, right? We think that an edge is this something like this added benefit or this added tool. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, a hundred percent, right? Like, okay, getting out on the field more, getting more, more, more. When in reality... Hmm. What if less is actually more, right? Like what if we actually slowed down a little bit and, you know, again, we really don't do a great job. I'm super big on the recovery piece just because of the link between recovery and mental health, right? Like we know the impact on our mental health when we are operating from constant depletion. And I think too many athletes are operating there. And that's why, I mean, let's get into your work, right? Like I'm sure there are plenty of studies, right. That could probably link, you know, for example, like soft tissue injuries, right. We know immune functioning is going to be down. So there's this whole link that again, if we take this back to total wellness, right. Like the recovery piece is actually like a foundational piece of total wellness. So how do I, you know, I think the biggest thing with all of my work, whether it's recovery, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's mental health is really a understanding who the athlete is. And this gets back to this piece of like recovery is a very individual and unique practice, right? You know, no two people are the same. And so how one person recovers is not going to be how another person recovers. And so it's my job to really a understand the athlete that I'm working with and then b first meet them where they are. You know, so a lot of times if an athlete is really hesitant about recovery or they're unsure, or they're like, Oh, I just don't have the time for it. There's resistance. So what's that resistance about? Like start the conversation there. And I think for athletes who are listening or parents who are listening or coaches is like, yeah, start with the resistance. What is that resistance, right? Is it really a time issue? Because if it's a time issue, then well, cool. Now let's have a conversation about how do we actually take less time to recover, right? So we make your recovery more efficient, but it's less amount of time every single day, right? Because we actually know that it's more beneficial, especially when we're looking at the nervous system, it's more beneficial to do a little bit consistently as opposed to like taking one full day off a week. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so if that's the battle, so if we start with wherever the, the resistance is, then, right, we can go in and try to meet them where they are. So for example, like 
one of the things that like, I think across the board, all pretty much every single athlete that I work with loves is a practice that's called legs up. So it's literally just throwing your legs up the wall on a chair. And here's how I might meet an athlete where they are. If they're like, I don't have 10 minutes for that. I'm like, okay, take your phone with you. Go do your (laughs) scrolling. Go do your scrolling on TikTok while your legs are up because we know, right? Let's look at your screen time every week. We know that you're scrolling. We know that you're on social media. So you know what? Kill two birds with one stone. I'm not taking anything away, right? I'm actually, I'm adding this practice while you get to do what you you already want to do, right? And so now we're adding that recovery in. Now, ideally, right, do I want the athlete to work to a place where they don't have to take their phone with them and they can actually turn both, have a reset for both brain and body? Yeah, but they're not there yet. So, and a lot of times what I find is that if you start with where they are and what they can manage, they will work themselves into, and I had an athlete text me this the other day and say, oh my gosh, I'm now meditating for 15 minutes while I have my legs up meditating. Right. I'm like, great. I never asked you to do that, but I love that. You know, like, so again, like start with, start with where the resistance is, meet the athlete where they are and slowly just, and this is why I love, like, I think options are really important when it comes to recovery. You know, there are going to be certain things and I'm sure like in the work that you do, right? Like in when an athlete is returning from, let's say like an ACL injury, right? Like there's a protocol and there's a very structured, like, you know, milestones as you keep going with recovery, there's not always that. So like give the athlete options and let them have some choice over it. Right. Because if you let them choose, then I find more often than not that it's like, oh, well then I get to actually be in control. I get to pick something I like. And I'm actually going to do it, you know? So I would say those, I gave you a couple different things, but I would say those kind of general premises are where I start when I'm working with an athlete. And I love the way that the correlation, I always feel that athletes and professionals, whether it's a lawyer, physician, we're all the same, right? And we're all pressed for time. We're all trying to squeeze too much into a day. And we always feel that we don't have time for it, but that's leading to physician burnout. It's leading to injuries in athletes. It's leading to depression, suicide, and a lot of high achievers. So we can all, you know, take something from what you just said about, you know, the legs up or just the time away to meditate and yoga or different things like that. So we can all be at our peak performance when it's time to perform. Because when the mind has never shut off and it's always been stimulated, especially now, you're walking around, the phone's buzzing, the watch is buzzing. You're always in a, a state state where your mind is stimulated. It's mm-hmm. hard to rest. And then you go to, you try to go to sleep right after you put your phone down or right after you finish, you know, something. And it's hard to do sometimes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I Thank you so much for highlighting that because I think it's so true. Like, it is true for, you're right. It's true for almost every profession. It's true for parents, right? It's true for, you know, it's funny because actually quite a bit of the outreach that I get on social media is from moms is from young moms, right. That are like, Hey, I'm not an athlete, but like this message (laughs) is so applicable. Right. So I love that. And I think it's, yeah. I mean, I even find like, I utilize a lot of this stuff and kind of the rules or I shouldn't say rules, but the concepts of my athletes for myself. And, you know, I, I think it is really, really important, especially as we look at what we're facing in 2023, which is hundred percent, right. Like mental health through the roof, burnout rates through the roof. Right. I mean, it's just, it, 
yeah, we can all use a little bit more of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, this is a great introduction, but tell people how they can, I know you have several eBooks, how they can learn more about what the work that you're doing and mindfulness yeah. and recovery. Yeah. So yes, I have two eBooks. Um, the first one I put out a year ago, maybe over a year ago, which is just a foundational, like, Hey, beginner's guide to mindfulness. Kind of where do you, where do you start, right? Mindfulness has become such a, a buzzword. Again, as we're looking at kind of 2023 and social media, and it can lose a lot of its really traditional meaning. So I have that kind of beginner's guide. And then I just put out a recovery guide for athletes. But again, I really want to premise like it, it's, I have to call it something right. And again, the, the, the audience that I primarily work with is athletes, but I think anyone could use it. So, um, I have a website, parent wellness and performance, and then you can find the link to download those through really any social media outlet that I'm on, excuse me, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Perfect. So on, and then for an athlete that wants to work with you, is that also how they will contact you? Absolutely. Yeah. You can contact me through, um, so my website, I have a, a contact form and then, yeah, pretty much, you know, I also take DMS, you know, people reaching out. So absolutely. There's uh, there's multiple ways to find me. Well, for all those watching on YouTube, there we go. Hopefully I spelled it right. Parent wellness performance. There you go. It's, yep. That's yep. it. Perfect. So that's the website. We'll include it in the show notes as well. Very important work that you're doing. You know, I appreciate the work that you're doing. I work with athletes daily and many times, you know, I'm trying to help them in this space, which I'm not qualified for, but I know many times they just don't have access to the care that you provide. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And yeah, that's, that's why I do what I do. Cause you know, especially, especially injured athletes, right? I think a lot of times we leave them hanging, unfortunately, where they need the most help, you know, prior to surgery, after surgery, all the above. So yes, absolutely. It's why I do what I do. Yeah, as an athlete, you know, the, the pressure, you have an injury and the day that they come to talk to me about the injury, they want to know the day that they can go back. And it's mm -hmm. just not that easy. Yep. And you're under the pressure from a coach, you're under pressure from everyone to, yeah. you know, your, your scholarship or whatever to get back on the field. Mm -hmm. And many times the mindfulness piece and the mental health recovery piece, is just yeah. completely left out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And right. it's, it's critical. So yeah. So on Time Out with the Sports Doctor, this is your final timeout. So uh, please tell an athlete, you know, someone who might be struggling or might not say, you know, no one's really in my corner. What can they do or how, what should they start as far as reaching out for help? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So yeah, I think it's one, right? The hardest part with this is that sometimes, you know, again, and this is why uh, you know, I think even just the awareness for an athlete to kind of know that they need help can actually be really challenging, right? I, I'm yes. sure everyone, I'm sure you have resonated with this and, and also people listening, right? Like there have probably been times in your life where you've been really down, you've been really anxious, you've been really afraid, and you're so in it that it almost feels like you have horse blinders on, right? You're so absorbed in, in the feeling that you actually just don't even know where you're at, and so part of this is like, A, we've got to have this awareness, right? We've got to have the awareness that we're struggling and we need help and it's okay to need help, right? The first thing I always start with every, especially injured athlete is just like kind of the, the normalization and the validation of the injured athlete experience. It's sure. awful. 
it does not matter if it's an ankle sprain or if it's uh you know you tear everything in your knee it it is hard it is incredibly hard it's hard physically it's hard mentally and so starting with that and then i really encourage all of my athletes to think about something called an sos list right so what is sos sos is you know save our ship it's that kind of like emergency signal. And so an SOS list is a list of, I mean, it can be as small as two people. It can be as big as like six. This is a inner circle list, right? This is not, you know, everybody and their neighbor, right? This is like, okay, who could I right now pick up the phone and call? And they're not going to ask any questions. They are going to be by my side in whatever way I need. Right. Um, this is this very much like, okay, 2 AM rolls around and you need something who you're going to reach out to an SOS list is a great place and, and something for everyone to think about having, honestly, like I have one, I've I've encouraged all my family members to have one because we honestly, we never know what life is going to throw at us. Right. We need to really think about who these people are. And then we've got to take it a step farther and we've actually got to communicate that to those people. And that's really important because the reason being is, right, a lot of times, and again, people may re- may resonate with this, like there's been plenty of times in my life where I've been in some really challenging mental health places and I know that these people are there, but they right. don't actually know that I'm struggling, right? And that's because mental health is not always something we can see. And so we need to remember that the line of communication goes both ways, right? And I, this is a phrase that comes from my mom. I love her and I love this phrase. She's like, I can't hear your head rattle, right? We cannot hear what other people are thinking, right? And so yeah. again, this line of communication goes both ways. And so if you actually let someone know that they are on your SOS list proactively, man, sometimes that can be the difference maker, right? Because then that person knows, has a little bit of the accountability and can say, hey, I'm just checking in right now. How you doing? Right? And sometimes right. that can be enough to sure open is. a conversation. So One, thinking about that SOS list, who are those people? And then letting them know, right? Like, hey, you're on my SOS list. This is what an SOS list is, right? And so, you know, what might that look like, right? That in itself is a great conversation to have with people, right? Because then, you know, I think it's just as important, right? To have people that will support you, but then also know how you want to be supported, We don't all like to be supported in the same way. And so letting the people in your life know how you like to be supported can be really beneficial. So I would say start there. Okay. So, and then, you know, reaching out to people like me and it doesn't have to be me. It can be people in your area, in your city, right. Whether it's a mental health professional or a coach or a mentor, right. Or a sports psychologist, right. There's so many helping professionals that can be, really beneficial. And so, yeah, starting there. Perfect. That is such valuable information. The SOS list, get it today. If you don't have it, make sure that Mm -hmm. that is in place because you never know when you will need to activate it. Yeah. Emily, thank you for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing. If there's anything I can do to enhance the message that you're spreading, just let me know. Ah, likewise. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be on your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace. Hey, time out with the sports doc. Keep our head right there.
right in the game. We ain't never stopping. You are now tuned in. Trust, you don't want to miss. This is where life, sports, and medicine.